if you are ready to take the hard road. The road less traveled. The path in life where the journey is more important than the destination. Then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. All right, before we kick off this interview, I just wanted to mention that afterwards, Tayson was able to um, hook us up with a really cool special offer for any of the listeners. And that is whenever you buy something from Outdoor Vitals, if you enter the coupon code GENTLEMAN uh, at your checkout and you've ordered anything over 50 bucks, you will get a free backpacking pillow. And they're really nice, awesome backpacking pillows. So enter that code GENTLEMAN when you purchase anything $50 or more, and they will send you one for free. And without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. I'm your host, Will Bradley, and tonight we have from Outdoor Vitals, its company's founder, Tayson Whitaker, which, for those of you who may have never heard of Outdoor Vitals before, it is a pretty badass outdoor gear company that focuses on direct-to-consumer sales, which is a pretty fancy way of saying cutting out the middleman and not having to buy it in stores and saving you a ton of money in the process. I'm, that's pretty accurate, right, Tayson? Yeah, I think you summed it up uh, pretty well. <laughs> for, for fans of the show, it's like Maven binoculars. Yes, exactly. I love Maven binoculars too, by the way. Ah, hey, <laughs> you know, if you enter the coupon code NBH gift when you order a pair, you'll get some free Maven swag. Nice. Yes. I'll have to I'll have to use that on the next uh, order I put in there. Drew, aka Rev Hiker, introduced me to your company. I'm not going to say I immediately fell in love, but I was definitely turned on. <laughs> Because you guys are making some really creative, and it looks awesome. And from what he says, it is great gear. And the direct-to-consumer stuff, I'm a huge fan of because I am a consumer, and I love saving money. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's been a big part for us. There's and there's there's a lot of direct-to-consumer businesses out there, but uh, you know, our our motto that we've had for a while is opening the outdoors to everyone. And well, without what that really means to us is is to provide quality gear that you can actually enjoy your experiences outside, but that you can also afford. And you can, even in the direct-to-consumer world, you can still find really expensive gear or, or you can find you know, a little bit more affordable gear. But that's definitely a big passion for us is to, is to help some people out like you that are, that are consumers but actually have a budget, you know? Yeah, and if you like the outdoors, it can get pretty costly pretty quick. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this uh, when I was out uh, on my last hunt in Colorado. I was thinking about how much gear I had on my body, and I think by the time I got done counting, I was up to like four or five thousand dollars when I was just hiking with my backpack on and with all my glass and guns and gear. <laughs> so it can get pretty costly. Real costly to live like a bum. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So how did you get started? Yeah, so I've I've always kind of had a passion for kind of designing my future, I think, in, in entrepreneurship. And so when I was in college, I started looking around at different um, things I wanted to get involved with. And e-commerce was something I was just, just really interested in, just selling online and 
So I actually took a job uh, working for free. I went there. I was working a day job. I'd go there during my lunches and uh, work for this other company, just trying to learn e-commerce and some of that. And once I felt like I'd learned quite a bit there, I started looking for applications to more of my hobbies. And at that time, um, I was getting really interested in backcountry hunting as well as um, ultralight backpacking. You know, those were two things that were that I was just wanting to get more involved with, had a lot of interest in, could see myself doing long term. And so I started looking um, at some needs there and some of my personal needs. You know, the first one that that really popped off the page to me was was down sleeping bags. Um, obviously, I was interested in, in developing whole lines of, of things, but uh, down sleeping bags was kind of the first one that I was like, you know what, these these prices are are crazy. Let's let's see what we can do here. So um, started out with about 500 bucks. Again, like I said, I was in college. Kind of ordered my first uh, samples of products uh, while I was still in college. As soon as I'd finished college, I put in uh, a massive order to a supplier for like five units. <laughs> Sold them online, and and that's really how we started. Just kept reinvesting everything I'd make from a cell and buy as many as I could, and and went from there. <laughs> for me not so much because I, I like my initial investment was like was like five hundred dollars and as soon as i had the momentum knowing like hey i can i can sell something you know then then taking all that money and rolling it into the company wasn't bad it was when we got to the point when you know an order with a supplier was the price of a house that i started to be like all right <laughs> this is for real you know um and that's when things got a little bit more scary i feel like to me but in the in the beginning i I wasn't too worried about losing an initial investment of, you know, five hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. So Oh man, so it's just that easy to get started in sleeping. <laughs> it used to be. There were some opportunities that have just closed now. If you wanted to start the same company like me, you'd probably need at least ten thousand dollars initial investment, I would say. Um, the window. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And even then I wouldn't even recommend that you'd start it like me. We're actually so just just so you know, like when I was running the finances and the marketing for this other business, I just saw Amazon as a great way to to get my foot in the door and to get started. Uh, I don't know if you've been on Amazon lately, but the place is crazy, and we're yeah. kind of digging our way away from Amazon as fast as we can. So. Oh wow! So why do you want to get away from Amazon? I thought the whole thing was like people wanted to get on Amazon and push their business that way. Yeah. So hopefully this is getting like too much off topic here, but I'll get into some of the nuts and bolts of it. Basically, Amazon, they're just all about the money. And, and the problem is because they're just so focused on the numbers, they started, they've just started to really boost lower quality products. So they're more interested in you buying a really cheap product and buying a million of them than they are in you getting a decent product. So for instance, when I started with sleeping bags, the average cost of a sleeping bag on Amazon was more like $70. And the most recent numbers I see now are about $22. Yeah, you can't compete with that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't want to. I mean, you, you, we're not like, and that's the problem is Amazon is growing for budget and our brand, like I'm just a big believer in continually improving products and continually improving stuff. And so our stuff has gotten more expensive because we've we've improved this, we've improved that, we added this, you know, and 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 so our products have got more expensive and Amazon's just like, yeah, we don't care about that. You just need to lower your prices so so you really just want to be the best you can and now it's about finding that marketplace yeah i'm, I'm a big believer in like the 80 20 rule and so uh, i'll yeah. give a kind of a quick example is like if you look at our our premium down product 
uh, would be like our, let's say our summit line. We may use an 800 fill power duck down. Okay, well, if we jump from duck down to goose down, let's say, costs are gonna go up. But they're, they're measured the same. They're still fill power, right? There's still, you know, 800 fill power here, 800 fill power here. So you, what you're getting from going to duck to goose is very, very minimal. There's a difference, and, and that can be argued, but it's very, very minimal. And, and then if you go from 800 fill power, let's say up to like a, an 850 plus or an 865 plus or whatever it is, your, your costs again are going to jump significantly. So, so for example, even with our premium gear, we're still kind of applying that 80-20 rule where, hey, look, you know, our premium zero degree down sleeping bag is, is you know, $250 or less. But if you go up to an 850 from another supplier, you might be up at least to $500. So that's kind of our take on it. And so we try to apply a lot of that 80-20 principle into our products. And we're going to, you know, we're obviously still going to make them the best that we possibly can. We're always going to be improving the products and the design and stuff. But uh, we still like to do the best we can to keep it in that 80-20. I love the 80-20 rule. It's something I found out about a few years ago. I forget what book I was reading. But for those of you who don't know, it's kind of like 80% of your headaches will come from 20% of your customers or 80% of your income will come from 20% of what you do, of what you do. Right. And you know, you find that occurring in nature, different ratios of 80, 20. It's, it's pretty fascinating. What is your big, like 80% is, is bringing it in 80, like as far as, uh, Pro, what do you mean? Sorry. Yeah, as far as your gear, what's as far as our gear? Eighty uh, percent still is is in our sleeping bags and our sleeping systems. Uh, and what's the, what sells better there? The underquilt type sleeping bag or the straight up? Still the mummy. The mummies are still going to outsell it for us. Um, but I will say our hammock gear has really really picked up. We've we've <laughs> I've been very impressed with. It. I mean we've we've had hammock gear for not as long. You know, with our with our high-end hammock gear and our high-end sleeping bags, we're almost a 50-50, I'd say at this point. So really? it may it may pass it. I don't know. It's it's been interesting to watch for well, sure. What, I mean, what's kind of great about that hammock bag is it can be used like a mummy bag. Right. You're getting right. a two for one. Whereas obvious reasons, if the bottom isn't open on a regular mummy bag, you're not going to be cutting it open to use it in a hammock. Right. Yep. Exactly. And I mean, that's 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 exactly how we saw it as, you know, a part of, of saving people money is in, in the, the direct to consumer model. And another part of it is, you know, applying 80, 20, maybe to the down itself and, 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 you know, getting 800 fill power where it's still tremendous, but, but not quite that 900 fill power cost. But, but a third component to that is, is the design of it. So by, by creating what we call the mummy pod and, and being able to use it on the ground or in a hammock, it's just going to save you a ton of money and give you that versatility because, if you do try to go buy a a mummy bag and buy a setup for a hammock, you're gonna you're gonna be spending a lot of money, and it just gets really costly really fast to buy two separate systems. Yeah, and I'm looking at your site right now, and these prices are pretty damn good. Yeah, we we uh, I, I I'm not gonna like I don't want to name call or anything like that, but there's there is definitely direct to consumer businesses out there that that are teaching that they're taking their product and marking them up once and then and they're selling it like that but you know once you're in the industry you can back into other people's prices to a degree and there's just no possible way that that they're true direct to consumer prices if that makes sense so we we, <laughs> we try to hold true to direct to consumer prices at what they're actually 
you know, supposed to be. They're just they're, they're a little extra. <laughs> a little bit extra, yeah. A little bit extra. But but kudos to them. I mean, they they can sell it, so they do, you know, and, and whatnot. So I just, you know, that wasn't the reason I started the company. So we we try to hold our prices as as much as we can. Is there any piece of gear in particular that you're really proud of? Really proud of. Definitely the ones that, that require more design and thought that goes into them. So we've got two products that, that can be used on a hammock uh, and, and on the ground. Uh, obviously, that mummy pod, that was probably one of the more you know, thought-intensive things we've designed and, and thought up, as well as the airy sleeping bag. Um, I'm, I'm definitely kind of proud of both of those. I don't think they're, they work for everyone per se, but for those that it do, they do work for, I think that they just love them. But yeah, I don't know. I've designed, I, I didn't go to school for design. I didn't, you know, that wasn't like what I would say, like, hey, I'm a designer, but I've learned to become a designer and I've, I've actually really, really started to enjoy that. So where do you get your inspiration from then for all the products? <laughs> Is it just kind of like going out there, whacking around and you're like, you know what I really need? It, you're not far off with that by any means. It's <laughs> definitely a lot of, of uh, you know, again, I, I just love like that Kaizen principle of just always improving. And so a lot of it is going out there and just using the product and and then improving it from there and and then coming up with, with things that I can improve outside of that. And so the Mummy Pod, for instance, uh, I was using our Airy sleeping bag a lot. I'd spend, you know, 20 plus nights in it one year. And I was like, man, it'd be really nice if we could get a way to seal that foot box better and to do this. And so I just went back to that drawing board, literally came back to the office, cut a hole in a sleeping bag, <laughs> hung up on a hammock, and was like, all right, this is our starting point. <laughs> no, nobody likes cold footsies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what kind of outdoor stuff do you do? I know you mentioned a little bit of backcountry hunting, camping. What, what was the inspiration to go into an outdoor company? Yeah, I, I'm kind of that, that guy that – I mean, I haven't really talked publicly that I'm like a big hunter, but hunting you is gotta def- be careful <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, but really when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm a hunter, I'm a backpacker and I even ride, you know, dual sport motorcycles and stuff. And so I'm like a part of all three groups that seem to hate each other sometimes. So I, I kind of feel torn, but, and, and it makes it a little bit difficult from a, from a marketing standpoint sometimes, but yeah, I, I kind of do a little bit of everything. I grew up in southern Utah, and we just we just lived outdoors. I mean, that's just what we did. We every weekend we were up on the mountain with the family and and enjoying some fishing or or, or hunting or just you know riding. I, I had a motorcycle when I was in T-ball, and so I I, I would uh, get to drive that around, and and so I just learned to enjoy the outdoors in every every way, and so it makes me also kind of a little bit sad when I see some of the groups, you know that just don't want to work together on on things or, or whatnot. But yeah, I just, I just love every part of the outdoors and I think all of it has kind of a time and place. So yeah, it's, it is sad. And that's the thing you got to, I was talking to my wife and I was, she's, I was telling her who my lineup for interviewers are. And I was like, yeah, I got this one guy. He's not a hunting guy. He's an outdoors guy. <laughs> like, well, well that's shot to shit. Now I'm just, uh, <laughs> just, all hunting now again i started a podcast not about hunting and now everyone's just a, turns out everyone's a hunter so it's unavoidable <laughs> no no we can just talk here we don't we don't have to get into to hunts if you don't yeah, want right. it <laughs> <laughs> like that's gonna happen 
was it like the first time you took your deer out though on a hunt? Like my first, just first time. Well, it's like it's been so gradual, you know, because like we've just added so many product lines and stuff. So every time I go out, I just have different equipment. I feel like, but honestly, it was it was great because I I went from having a I, I kid you not, um, I've sh I maybe have showed it in a couple of our videos on our YouTube channel, but we I had a nine pound sleeping bag. And oh, it was, it was, it was nine pounds, the weight of the sleeping bag. And I mean, it was a rectangular synthetic bag, it was supposed to be a zero degree bag and was just massive. And so it was just, I mean, I, I could really only car camp or, or, or camp in a trailer or off the road, I guess, with that bag. And so when I did, you know, get a down sleeping bag, um, that cut so much weight out of a pack that it. One, it enabled me to actually get off the trail a little bit more and, and get backcountry more. But two, like the bag was supposed to be rated for zero degrees and I was cold in like 30 degrees. So to get a truly warm sleeping bag as well was was huge. And suddenly I enjoyed enjoyed camping out just a lot more. <laughs> uh, I have a similar situation. I thought I had a zero degree bag and it definitely turned out to be more like a 30 degree bag. And <laughs> I was on a backcountry skiing trip outside of Crested Butte, Colorado with some dudes where you could see the snow outside the hut we were staying in through the siding. <laughs> and night came and night got real cold. And when we were bunked up like two, three a bed or whatever, and I had never tried to get so close to another man in my entire <laughs> life as I did those nights. <laughs> Survival, man. It does crazy things to you. <laughs> oh, I start backing up playing the little spoons so you can get in there and get them warm <laughs> not freeze to death <laughs> yeah seriously though it, it, there's something i mean people it's funny people will pay tons of money for all sorts of gear and i kind of sense learn this like a lot of companies like a sleeping bag is like the last thing they want to launch because there's like just less margin in it and people aren't willing to spend money on it like but uh, a sleeping bag you know it, it keeps you warm for like eight hours and it's like what other piece of gear you know, keeps you warm for eight hours, like your jacket maybe, but your jacket comes on and off and just, it's like one of the most underappreciated, but things that you have, but when it doesn't work, it's the worst thing that could happen to you. <laughs> you know, it's cause sleeping bags aren't sexy. They're not That's out right. there on the mountain. We're out to change that. Yeah. <laughs> Outdoor vitals, making sleeping bags sexy. <laughs> so where does the name Outdoor Vitals come from? I, I, don't, I don't think there's a whole lot of inspiration in it other than uh, we actually started the company. It was actually the actual name of the company and what we may eventually bring out a little bit is hunting vitals. And when I went to bring it to market, I was like, you know what, we just need to broaden this out and, and take it further. And, and luckily outdoor vitals was available. And so we kind of did a quick switch and, and dubbed ourselves outdoor vitals. And, and I mean, the, definitely the, the concept though, there though was, um, just, just vital gear, you know, so we're primarily, we're really hoping to only focus on you know, sleep systems, pack systems, shelter systems, the big three, you know, when you're, when you're backpacking and, and those vital pieces of gear. So, and it seems like to me, the hammock is becoming a, or a wider used piece of gear. It is. So I, I had a brother who was hounding me for years to get into hammock camping. And I always told him he was crazy. I was like, dude, that looks terrible. I don't want to try hammock, you know? And, and, and so I, I finally tried it. And the first night I was like, okay, there's, there's something to this. And so I tried it again. And then by the next night, I'm like, 
yeah, I don't want to sleep on the ground again. And, and so let me get, I'll give you my little five minute pitch why I think it's, it's so um, like the hammocks are just so getting to be more amazing. And, and especially for, for even hunters, why they can be so cool. When I go to set up a hammock, it takes me five minutes maybe to, to sling up my hammock, hang a tarp and to, and to get my insulation or my sleeping bag around my hammock. I can do it on the side of a hill. I can do it, you know, wherever I've got two trees or, or something to hang from, I can, I can make that happen. In the morning when I get up to leave, I don't have condensation in my tent. It takes me even less time to put it down and, and then I can be rolling. My whole, my whole sleep system weighs in at four and a half pounds, a little bit under four and a half pounds for a 15 degree setup. And so for me, if I'm out there, let's say chasing elk or an elk herd or something, I can chase them from dusk till dark, not even worry about setting up my camp until after dark, and then I can have it set up in five minutes and and be out. And I don't have to worry about a rock in my back. I don't have to worry about a slope, you know, sliding off my pad, um, anything like that. So to me, actually, part of the reason I went to a hammock and, and especially designed like the mummy pod, it was it was more as a hunter, uh, you're not like out there just to uh, get a good night's sleep or to wake up and you know just have a great cup of coffee in the morning and watch the sunrise. It's you're like mission critical, you know. You're like, all I care about is watching these animals from dusk till dark, and eating secondary, and sleep is secondary. And when I switched to hammock, it was just it was just way easy to to set up, take down, pack, and it was just just it just fell really in line with with how I like to to be in the outdoors. So you know, it's it's funny how you had to get convinced to get into the hammock. Whereas I had a buddy and we did this 90 mile three day canoe race and I was like, Hey, uh, you want to take hammocks? And he's like, no, I don't want to sleep in a hammock. I want to sleep on the ground. I, he's like, I have a bad back. I don't want my back hurting in the morning. And I'm just like, you're sure like you don't want to take the hammocks. I'm like, I got <laughs> hammocks. I got everything we need. We can both have our own hammock. And he's like, no, let's, let's take the tent. And I'm like, all right, if that's, if that's what you want to do. In the morning of the last day, we woke up, just his back was killing him, and the hammock was soaked, and I was like, right, yeah, I guess we shouldn't have brought the hammocks, huh? <laughs> right. As we're packing a wet tent and wet uh, yep. sleeping bags back up, oh, uh, no fun. Yeah, it doesn't sound like fun does not sound like fun definitely like i mean the underside of the tents they get wet sometimes and then rain flies obviously get wet i was just out in colorado and there's just gets so much I, and i did sleep in a tent and there was just so much condensation in there just because it was so cold and then you got to pack that up somehow and, and pack it for the day and it, it gets more fun yeah right now you carry all this wet stuff around with you that's great <laughs> yeah what's the worst weather you would take a hammock sleeping system out in I, I would have no problem. I, w I would have been using my hammock in Colorado when I was just there where it was, you know, snowing for four days straight and, you know, dipping down into the teens. Um, I would have been happy to use my hammock, but I did not have an adequate tarp because the winds were really, really bad. And so that's something that going back to our drawing board, I've got to design a, a tarp that can fully enclose around our hammock. Ooh. But I've, uh, I've, yeah, I've, I've slept in a hammock down into the low teens, and so I can say I'm, I'm still comfortable at that level, 
And anywhere that I would be willing to sleep in a tent, I feel like I'd still be willing to sleep in a hammock, even though initially you're kind of like, there's something to it that, that pulls you back. But as far as it goes, I mean, it's going to keep you just as warm. And, and actually with, with how it wraps around a hammock, it doesn't get squished down or, or anything like that. So the, the insulation properties are going to perform really, really well on a hammock hanging and lofting to its full potential. So, And you never have to worry about a root sticking in your back. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I kind of had a progression where I went from like crappy, crappy sleeping pad that like I couldn't sleep on my side. I could only sleep on my back, you know. And then I went to a sleeping pad that was like three inches thick and I was like, okay, I'm never going to sleep on anything other than this three-inch thick pad. And then I went to a hammock and was like, okay, if I have to go back to that pad, I will. But for, for the most part, it's hammock as much as I can. <laughs> so I'm we, we sell this hammock or this <laughs> sleeping pad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we do – like we just released our sleeping pad. And guess what? It is a three-inch thick sleeping pad uh, for those that, that want a sleeping pad. But, yeah, I mean it's uh, – there's a time and a place for both sometimes, but man, I just, anything under like a three inch pad to me is, is no sleep in the outdoors, but no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> what was the biggest challenge you faced with starting your business? Biggest challenge of starting it. Honestly, it was, well, well one, like, I mean, we're kind of starting in an industry that we just didn't have any contacts in a lot, like a lot of businesses when they first start out, you know, it seems like everything's branched off of everything else in this industry. You know, I, they started this or they worked here and then they started this and they worked here. And so I didn't quite have that um, up my sleeve. But so that was a little bit tougher. Um, but but the other part of it was was just capital and, and, and being able to, you know, get started in a, in a product based company that's just so capital intensive. So that, that was a really big struggle as well and it seems like I have a new struggle every week but looking back I mean those those were definitely harder parts of it were uh it's not not like seeing maybe start to finish how how a big company works and then just taking your ideas and everything from a different company and starting a new company um you know that was I think there's good things because we got to reinvent some different things and, and do it our way and and whatnot but um and then to just capital. I mean, we, we've had so many stockouts in our company history. We've just ran out of product. And uh, fortunately, we've kind of got that for at least a little bit um, under control. Uh, but that's, you know, we're three years after launch the company. For those first two years, we just were stocking out of product left and right. And that was super killer. You know, that was, that was hard on us. How was your uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday? <laughs> it was it was pretty dang good. People are crazy on those days. That's all I can say. Just a bloodbath on the internet. <laughs> People spend a lot of money on those days. They're definitely our biggest sales days for sure for the company. Are you just like, thank God we're not a brick and mortar? <laughs> it wouldn't be worth it, man. It would not be <laughs> worth it. What do you do if, say, you want to take your family camping? Will you go to a tent or does everyone have their own? Uh, my wife still hasn't, she hasn't spent a lot of nights in a hammock and, and she likes to sleep next to me and, and whatnot. But really we had our first kid a year ago. He's he just turned a year old. So, um, ever since then we've, we've had to go to a, a tent mainly, um, just cause he sleeps right in between us and, and we can keep him warm that way and we can tell he's warm. Um, so we, we did drop back to the hand or to a tent, um, for, for family excursions, but 
I had to, I was doing the same thing before we went to the national parks out west, and my son absolutely loves sleeping in a tent with us. <laughs> like he'd get in there, bounce around, jump around, like oh, this is this is living right here. Yeah. Well, and when I take my my wife out, she just doesn't want to be cold, and I want to give her no reason to to not love the outdoors. So we bring some equipment, and so our tent looks like a just a pile of down products, you know, in there, <laughs> you know, and so our kid, yeah, he does the same thing. He's just jumping on these down bags, and which I don't advise, but you know, <laughs> he's just playing all over them and having a good time in there for sure. It's like, which I don't advise, but good luck stopping them. <laughs> yeah. Is there any places in particular you're hoping to travel to or I guess any hunts you want to go on? Yeah, so I'm pretty close to drawing some a, a good elk tag here in Utah. Um, but what I'd like to have happen in the next couple of years is I'd like to get up to Alaska and do some hunts up there. I'd like to try caribou in, in a unit that I also know there's some moose in. And if I see some moose and feel good about it, I want to start putting in for moose up there as well. Um, but I, I, Alaska keeps coming back to me. We're going to... I'm probably going to get up there this year just like on a cruise with my wife. Um, but I, I want, really want to get out in the backcountry of Alaska and see what that's like. That's just super interesting to me. Um, I haven't ever done out-of-state hunting until just the last two years. Um, but but it's been a lot of fun. I've, I've really started to enjoy that and to, you know, just go see some some new country. And, the, I mean, it's can be hard for hunting sometimes to be in new country. But when you stop and look around and stuff, it's just so cool to, to see see different terrain and in, in, in different states have you had any uh ah shit i lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> who have been your two biggest influences two biggest influences um i definitely have to give well i, I, I you kind of given me the pre cursor to this so I thought about this I wrote them down a little bit different but definitely my parents I mean I can't I can't discredit them at all they've they've pushed me to just go and get whatever I wanted um you know when I was when I was at a younger age they just taught me to work really hard so when I was like 12 years old um they, they told me they again to kind of revert back to to different things I I really enjoyed motorcycles when I was growing up and and they bought me this little motorcycle, and they said, "Hey, this is the last one we're buying you." And as soon as it's you outgrow it, you got to buy your own motorcycle. Well, like two weeks later, uh, the engine blew on this motorcycle, and uh, and they held strong. They're like, "We told you that was the last one we were buying," and you know, so so I spent two and a half years, you know, started a lawn mowing business, doing janitor work, saving up to buy a, a new motorcycle, and. Um, which I, which I was able to do, which is, was just really cool. And it was, it was, it was one of those experiences in life where you're kind of like, you know, I can, I can do hard things and I can make things happen and I can go and get what I want in this life. And so I can't discredit them for just how much that taught me and the way that they raised me. Um, other than that though, um, another just big thing that's influenced me as well was, was actually, uh, I kind of I thought long and hard about this question because you'd sent this. This is one of the ones that you had sent me over, and I kind of went back to some sports successes in my life. Um, I I, uh, I grew up a little bit overweight and uh, didn't have much confidence and a few things like that. And and uh, when I got involved with some sports, um, started to build some confidence and and uh, is actually I, I was 
the best sport I was at was actually throwing the discus and, and the shot put. Um, and I, I got pretty good at those and ended up winning state in those. And when that happened, something just kind of fundamentally happened with me where she kind of gained some confidence and kind of had a new outlook on life and, and was like, wow, you know, this is what it feels like to be the best at something for once. And, and it just got me kind of hungry to, to try to achieve and to work super hard and, and, uh, you know, try to be the very best that I can. And so that, that just had a really big impact on me, you know, ever since my, my, my sports days. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you want it to be too easy for you coming up. Yep. You know, a little struggle is good for you. Yeah. I, I could definitely attest to that. If, if things would have been easy growing up and, and if I would have had easy success, I'm sure I would be a, a different person today. Do you have any, uh, favorite books? books you recommend yeah so i'm a big you know I, I listen to quite a bit of books a lot of business books and things but um one that i thought of was uh actually atlas shrugged kind of a an older book by ann rand but it's one that just has a lot of business principles still there's just a really good story in it a um, little capitalistic but uh definitely one of my my more favorite books is it well if you had to buy uh like say gift a book would there be any books in particular you'd gift or would that be the one? If I was gifting a book to someone, I would kind of be, I'd probably be looking to, to give them more of a gift of, of knowledge of what's inside that. So I'd probably give a book of either two that I really like or, or The One Thing uh, by Gary Keller or The Slight Edge by I think Jeff Olson. Both, both books are just kind of talking about kind of that 80-20 principle of like, just focus on one thing and get better. And if you can just get better at it or, or accomplish that one thing, sometimes that's the domino effect to get a lot of things rolling. Or, or you know, a little bit, if you were to just spend five minutes a day or 10 minutes a day working on your hobby or, or your side business, you know, by the time a year's passed, um, you've made some serious ground on that compared to uh, just not doing anything at all, so. And that is why my son walks around in ski boots every day for five minutes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you definitely get it. <laughs> what would be one piece of advice you'd give anyone who's thinking about starting their own business? Um, so after after starting a business and, and having a little bit of success, I, uh, I kind of built this equation in my head because people would always ask. I mean, you start to have a little bit of success and everyone's asking, you know, and everyone's Heck, everyone's just trying to rip off what you do as well. But really what it boiled down to, to me, is I, I believe that knowledge, like think of this as an equation, right? Knowledge plus uh, discipline equals success. And what that means is I kind of see life in two ways. You've got the people that are just like super, super hard workers. They might be really disciplined. But if they don't have the knowledge aspect, they can only get so far. You can only trade you know, your time for dollars to, to a certain extent. And then you've got the other side where like maybe you're just really, really knowledgeable, but you don't have that discipline. And, you know, so maybe that, I don't know, lack, lack of a better analogy, maybe, you know, you're a college professor <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you're really smart, but you're just like, I enjoy the comforts of, of this. So um, to me, when you're able to combine those together and you're just able to constantly learn, just have a love for learning and constantly learn and spend time learning every day, and then also be able to put down that book or, or put down that podcast and, and go and apply it and, and work hard and make something happen. Um, you're going to find success every time. And so if you want to start in a new business, 
or get better at hunting or whatever it is, if you apply that equation of just constantly learn and then have the discipline to, to go and take that knowledge and, and apply it, I think you're going to find success every time. When you, when you hire an employee, is there anything in particular you look for? In a- I'm, a, I'm huge on character. Um, I, I think that uh, you can you can hire you know a college grad or, or whatever it is, and they can have that history of, you know, or they've they've got that certificate to show that they've they've learned something or, or they finished or whatever it is. Um, but to me, I'm I'm way more concerned with you know is this kind of a person that that wants to push themselves? Are they the kind of person that's you know highly accountable or or willing to just just constantly improve their skill set, you know, are they, are they that type of a person? And if they are, then they probably have a place with us. The other thing that I would say is, is passion. Um, you can't train passion. And so now when I look to hire, um, kind of first and foremost is, do they love the outdoors? You know, do they love backpacking? If they do, then I can go to the next area, which is, okay, what's their character like? You know, what are they like as a person? Because most of the stuff that we do online you're going to train someone to do it anyways. You know, you're not going to just show up and be like, oh, yeah, I know how to do all of this. I mean, maybe some people can, but so so really looking at those two things first are, is where I'm looking when I'm making looking to make a hire. Yeah, I imagine it becomes a pretty short conversation if you go, oh, so do you like backpacking? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, why, why are you here? <laughs> Let me show you this front door we installed. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> or or do you like backpacking? No. Okay. Do you want to buy some gear and come back in six months and <laughs> <laughs> we'll sell you some. Yep. I think we've got some extra right over here if you want to buy it. <laughs> where so. where do you see outdoor vitals in five years? Or where do you hope it is? Yeah, that's that's a good question. <laughs> I want to be nationally known. You know, I, I, I think right now we we've still flown under the radar a lot. Um, and so I, I want to see our brand just get a, a lot more recognition and, and, and whatnot. Um, and then I, I want to be known as, as a more innovative brand. Um, I, I love coming up with, with ideas, but I also, you know, want to make them just as practical as we can and, and take the feedback. Part of being a direct to consumer business is we get a lot of feedback. I think when you've got that retail store, uh, between you and a customer, you just lose so much feedback. And so we do get a ton of feedback and, a lot of what we do comes from feedback. And so I want to, you know, just be known as, as an innovative brand that can, you know, help people get into the outdoors and, and whatnot. But, and then I would like to be known as, as, uh, at least a little bit that we're just kind of friendly to, to anyone that likes the outdoors, not just to, to one particular group, even if we don't maybe market, you know, blatantly in some ways that, that we're just known to be kind of friendly to all. Which I think is really important this day and age, especially when you see national monuments getting shrunk down and, and companies taking more of an interest in public land. I think it's kind of got to be, hey, there's enough room in the boat for all of us, and if we don't paddle together, we're not going to get where we want to go. Right, right. I mean, public lands get sold to private parties all the time, and I think none of the parties want that to happen, but at the same time, they fight so much over what does happen with the land that, you know, we lose a lot of ground there. Yeah, and it's sad. <laughs> it's a little bit sad. Yeah. If you weren't doing this, where do you think you'd be? <laughs> if I wasn't doing this, where would I be? That's tough. 
because I, I, I do have a lot of passions, a lot of a lot of uh, hobbies. I, you know, business obviously is is something that I do enjoy. But I think at the end of the day, I I would be trying to design a lifestyle. So whether that's working for a different company that is either in the that is in the outdoor space, or whether that's just, you know, getting enough passive income rentals to just hunt full time. I don't know, or be outdoors <laughs> all the time. Either way, I think I would just be striving for that goal of, of more freedom to, to travel and to, and to do those things. So I do, I do enjoy real estate, which I think you can relate to. I have a handful of uh, rentals, but uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd have to do something I'm passionate about or I'd just get way too, way too bored, way too fast. Yeah, real estate is a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot, some, some long-term uh, potential there that I, that I can uh, shake out of my head, so. Some stability. Yeah, that's important too. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there any maybe gear or something coming up that you guys are working on you can tell us about? That's a good one. Uh, actually, the night that we're recording this, uh, we're going to be releasing a video that's introducing uh, kind of a prototype I was testing. So it's a, just a real kind of raw video of me testing a, a new insulation. Um, and I'm pretty stoked about this. And, and I'll I'll explain it. So... I came across this company by some miracle. They, they're making a synthetic material that acts a lot like down. It, it can be related to about a 500 fill power down as it sits right now, but obviously they're working really hard to, to even push it past that. The, the pros of this are, uh, obviously the, the cons of down would be if you ever get it wet, um, and it, it's gonna lose its loft and, and clump up. But if you can do the same thing with the synthetic, it's not going to collapse. And so, we're we're currently testing on using it in a in a top quilt. Actually, we're going to be releasing both a, both the top quilt and and probably be releasing it first in this new synthetic. But what really has me excited is the possibility of using this material or this um, synthetic in a in a jacket. I've had a ton of requests to to do jackets. And this might be our first experience, you know, actually doing a jacket and we'll, we'll probably launch it with this synthetic. So, and the reason, and I'll, I'll kind of back up one step further and explain why that's, it's, it's such a big thing. So to back up to when I was on my hunt in Colorado just recently and it snowed for four days straight, I had, I obviously had a synthetic jacket. I had a, an outer soft shell and then I had my down puffy jacket. The problem is I could never really wear my down puffy jacket because it was snowing all the time. And I could try to squeeze it under my soft shell, um, which would help, but it also is going to lose some loft being, um, you know, smashed in underneath a, a soft shell. And so I just didn't even wear the down jacket. And even if I was a little bit cold, it was just like, if I pull this down jacket out, it's going to get snowed on, it's going to melt, it's, and, then, and then pretty soon I'm just carrying around a wet down jacket. Whereas my synthetic jacket, you know, I could sweat in it. It could even get wet occasionally, and it's still going to hold in heat and still perform. Um, but the problem is the synthetics where they're at right now. They're, I mean, they're they've come a long ways, and they're they're way better than the synthetics that you're going to find in like that big nine pound zero degree sleeping bag I was talking about at the first of the show. But they're still not where down is, right? That's why still people still love those down jackets. So. With this particular product, I think it could be come in as a as a jacket that could be similar in warmth and weight of a down jacket, but if it got rained on or you sweat in it or something like that, 
the thing's still going to insulate you and still be, you know, just, I mean, it's just the versatility of a product like that, I think is going to be off the charts. And so that's something that I would like to see uh, us release as soon as possible. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, it has been a lot of fun talking with you. I think, you know, people listening to this are going to be pretty excited to head on over to your website and check things out. And what is that website? Yeah, so you can find us at OutdoorVitals.com. If you want to learn more about our company as well, just go to YouTube and uh, search Outdoor Vitals as well. We've got a channel there that we post on every week, and we try to give you know backpacking tips as well as you know show some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that we do. So two ways to connect with us. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Head on over, check it out. For the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast, live your life this vigorous.